Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be diving into the whole armor of God. Well, at least the introduction to the whole armor of God. Um, This is a well-known passage amongst uh, Christians, uh, but I believe uh, this is a really important one and one that we tend to forget about. Um, even though this is well known. Um, so Paul just finished ending what God has done through Jesus Christ, um, who we are in Christ in verses or in chapters uh, one through three. And then chapters four and five are more practical now live in this way, right? In chapter 4, he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which, to which you have been called. Um, so now he's laying out, this is how you are to live. He even reminds them uh, that they're not Gentiles or to say that they're no longer doing or should do what the Gentiles do, right? In verse 17 of chapter 4, he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of hearts, or of heart. So, then he goes on to say, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He starts talking about who they are in Christ, right? And how they are to live with one another in Christ. Verse 32 of chapter 4, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And then chapter 5, we're called to be imitators of God, as his children, we are to walk in love just as Christ did and just how he did by loving us, uh, even to the point of giving himself up uh, for our sake, right? That is love. And that's what God calls all of us to do uh, for one another. We are to consider others more significant than ourselves. Um, and then we get to the wives, the husbands, the children, the parents, the bond servants, the masters, and how they are to act accordingly uh, to each other, right? The wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as is Christ the head of the church. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, Um, And then we get to the children are to obey their parents uh, in the Lord, for this is right. 
And then fathers are not to provoke their children uh, to anger, but instead they are to discipline their children and instruction of the Lord. Uh, there's a there's a purpose behind uh, discipline, and behind this discipline is love, right? Obviously, we we are told fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline, right? So uh, this discipline should not be coming out of anger, right, or bursts of anger, but instead it should be uh, one uh, that you are wanting to grow your child um, and into the instruction of the Lord. The bond servants, right? Uh, we could say all of those who have jobs, uh, your boss is your master and you are their bond servant. Um, you're to obey them uh, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, uh, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. And then in the same way, the masters are to do the same. They need to stop their threatening, knowing that their master and the bond servant's master or their employee's master is the same, who is God, who is in heaven, um, who shows no partiality with anyone, right? And then we get to chapter 6, verse 10. And this is what I want us to focus on. So this is what it says. Let me reread. Uh, let me read verse 10 all the way till the end of verse 20. And then we will focus on just the first three verses, the 10, 11, and 12. Well, 4 and 13. So it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that is uh, the armor of God. But yeah, let's, let's go back to verse 10 and it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and its strength of his might. So when he says finally, uh, what Paul points back to is the first five chapters he laid out. So basically the introduction uh, to that what I've gave um, is what Paul is pointing back to when he says finally. Finally what? He says be strong in the Lord. <clears throat> so after the magnificent work of God done in us, as mentioned in the first five chapters and what he calls us to do, 
um, then we are to be strong in the Lord because of the because of that because of what he's done for us uh, notice it does not say find your strength uh, nor does it say in your own strength no it says finally be strong in the Lord right the strength comes from God um, it's as if pride in our, uh, it's as if pride in ourselves ought to be absent uh, since it's not our own strength, since it's not our strength, but the Lord's strength. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians ten seventeen. So if we are to boast in anything, we are to boast in the Lord because it came from him, right? So again, and in the strength of his might. So in case we have forgotten let me ask you, how strong is the Lord? How strong is the Lord? Well, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 talks about God's power. And it says the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So that is the understanding that that is how strong the Lord is, that it is immeasurable and it is great uh, and of this power, right, toward us who believe. So if we're going to put on strength, do not put on your own strength that has no power against the schemes of the devil, and we're going to look at that. But instead, we are called to put on the strength of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not our might, right? So we must understand that um, this is why we can say things like Philippians 4.13 where um, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What is Paul saying here in Philippians? Well, he's talking about that um, he knows how to be brought low. He knows how to abound. In any and every circumstance, he has learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need so the lord helps us suffer for his sake and he brings us to this understanding that we can do all those things we can suffer uh through him who strengthens us right we are to be content in where we are but here we are called to be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might and the question is why Right? Sometimes we want to ask why. Well, let's keep reading in verse 11. It says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Well, there it is. That's the why, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Without the Lord's strength, the armor of God would be impossible to put on. Uh, since the Lord works through the armor, he has equipped the saints for battle. Right? So without the Lord's armor, it is impossible to stand against the schemes of the devil. Right? So what is the schemes of the devil? Or what is the definition of schemes? Right? The definition of a scheme is a large-scale systematic plan or arrangement for attaining some particular object or putting a particular idea into effect. Well, the purpose of the devil is to lead people astray. Uh, so far astray that God is absent 
from their lives. And that is what he is trying to do. He is trying to lead us into sin that causes us uh, to transgress against the Lord, thus bringing upon ourselves the wrath of God, his just wrath. You see, that's what uh, the devil is trying to do. And for us who are believers, we are called to put on the whole armor of God so that we, we Christians who are saved may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So that means believers can uh, fall into the scheme of the devil, right? Well, what happened with Job, right? Right. He was righteous before God um, by faith. Then the devil brought upon a bunch of evils uh, towards Job and around Job, right? Obviously, the devil or any of his adversaries um, indwelled Job. Uh, that's impossible for uh, the devil to uh, make residence within a believer because we have the Holy Spirit sealed within us. God would not allow that. But we can uh, fall into the schemes of the devil, right? The devil can still tempt us, and we, because we're still in the flesh, we can still fall into sin. But see, we must not stay there. We must be reminded of the armor of God that has been given to us by grace, right? This is the purpose of the armor of God so that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, right? His temptations into causing us to sin, right? We must understand um, what the devil's plot is and what he's trying to do. But also we must understand what we have in the Lord. He has gifted us uh, his whole armor. He's given it to us so that we may be able to stand and not only stand, but stand firm. So that is the understanding of standing against the schemes of the devil, right? His plot, what he's trying to do. And then in verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, listen to what it says in Colossians 2.15. It says this, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So what's happening there in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15? Well, the he there is Jesus. And what did he do? Well, let's read before that. In verse, uh, let's see. Let's read from verse 8. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. So Jesus is above all rule and above all authority. And it says, In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, 
by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So that's what happened in Christ. And this is what makes Christ much more powerful than the schemes of the devil. So if the Lord is providing us with the tools we need in order to stand against uh, the enemy, the devil and his adversaries, then why wouldn't we want to uh, put on this armor uh, that is able to uh, help us against uh, the schemes of the devil? Why wouldn't we want to? You see, we must understand that Jesus is all-powerful and he has subjected uh, everything to himself. Everything is under him. And in here, we are told that he has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when Christ rose from the dead, it's as if death couldn't hold him any longer? Why? Well, because he is righteous and there is no sin in him. So there's no reason for Christ to remain dead. And not only that, Jesus is the God-man. He is God in the flesh. And here we are told that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? We aren't putting on the armor of God to battle each other. Our enemy is beyond our sight. It's far beyond that he starts listing them, right? It says, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil, where? In the heavenly places. So then, finally, because of all that, he gets to verse 13 where he says, therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So he says, therefore, well, therefore, because of what was mentioned, right? What was mentioned, take up the whole armor of God. That was, that's the whole idea. And then now he tells us again, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So the why to taking up the whole armor of God. So Paul is being redundant. He's already told us to put on the armor of God. And now he's telling us again. And why is he telling us? Not only us, uh, we must understand the context of this. Uh, the church of Ephesus um, is being under is under persecution. And all the churches around there as well. Um, so he is telling them as well, put on the armor of God. Yes, there's uh, physical people coming after them to kill them, right? They're under persecution. 
But again, they must understand that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's what Paul is saying. <clears throat> so this armor of God is not so that we may be able to stand against uh, flesh and blood, but instead it's something beyond our flesh and blood. And that is uh, the principalities of the air, right? So the why? Well, that we may be able to withstand the evil day. And the evil day here is talking about the reference to this age in which evil still exists, right? In this land. But we know and understand that Christ is on his throne. And the Lord is making all of his enemies a footstool for his feet. And then the last enemy that will be made a footstool for his feet is death. But we must recognize, we must understand what Christ has already done for us. He's already conquered the grave. Therefore, death has no sting. The question is, where is your sting, right? And that's what we must uh, understand. A, that death can do nothing to us except bring us to Christ. So because of that, we can now live a life uh, that will bring God glory. And how is that? Well, we are made ambassadors of Christ. What does that mean? Well, we are now given uh, the ability to proclaim the gospel to the world so that more and more people may come to him through faith. Right? In Romans ten seventeen, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, through this gospel. Right, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You see, what the devil doesn't want us uh, to do is proclaim this gospel that may be reached around the world, and they may reach all of those whom God has uh, died for. Right, Jesus came to this earth, this world, evil world uh, to die on the cross for the sins of his people right that is the very reason why he was given the name that he was given right not only is he god with us but jesus the name jesus or yeshua um, is given to him because he has come to save his people from their sins you see and that is the problem with the world is that we live in a sinful world. And because of that, it seems as if God is uh, no longer in sight because sin exists. But no, God is working through the gospel. More and more believers and Christians are coming to faith. Uh, more and more people are coming to faith um, in Christ because of the gospel being proclaimed. There's many brothers uh, proclaiming the gospel at abortion mills, right? Because we know that those places is where people go to kill their children. Uh, but we as believers, we want to put a stop to that. We want to put an end to that. And the way we do that is by proclaiming God's truth to them. Right? We let them know what they're doing is wrong and why it's wrong. What they are doing is not just abortion, but it's murder, right? It's a violation of God's law when he tells us, do not murder, right? You shall not murder. So 
these people, they think they're doing right because, well, they want to be happy and they want to uh, do better in life. They cannot take care of a baby now. Um, they'll, they'll insert whatever they want to insert uh, to justify their killing of their child. But we must understand that there is nothing that can justify the killing of anybody. Right? The murder of anybody. And that's the understanding here that we, there's brothers and sisters calling them to repentance. Showing them, telling them, explaining to them why it's wrong. And then that there is still hope in Christ. Because anybody who still has breath and the ability to repent, God is granting you mercy and grace uh, to come to him. So the call is come to Christ and be saved. Because if not, you have fallen into the scheme of the devil and now you're still in darkness. Right? The whole idea of Ephesians chapter 2 is that we were once dead in our sins and trespasses. We once walked there. We followed the course of this world, right? The course or the path to hell. Uh, following the prince of the power of the air, that is the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then verse 3, it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But here's the good news. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So because of what God has done here for us, God can do the same to those who are still in darkness. But we must reach out to them love on them by proclaiming the gospel and sharing them a uh, living water, right? That is found in Christ. So as Christians now, we are in this battle, right? Not with flesh and blood, but we must not go into this battle without putting on the armor of God that has been given us because it's only by this armor that we will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, because we must understand that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God, uh, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Right? We stand firm in Christ. And in this armor. And taking up this armor uh, gives us this understanding that there is not one time that 
God will depart from us and we no longer have this armor. No. Uh, because we continue to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Right? The schemes of the devil will continue until the Lord returns. Because once that happens, he will cast him, his adversaries, and all of those who has sinned against him and has not repented into the lake of fire, the place of torment, right? The place where um, all evildoers will pay for their sins. But the thing about it is that we will not be able to completely pay it off because we've sinned against a an eternal holy God, then hell has to be eternally existing. Right? So, the call is repent, believe, and trust in the Lord. And stand firm in the armor. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. Thank you.